That or Kevin will clean it up next week. One of the two. And he'll be happy to know that you included him in the older generation. I'm sure he'll love that. If you're watching Kevin, you're part of the older generation now. Hope you're okay with that. Love you. Awesome, awesome, awesome. How's everybody doing? Good to see everybody. All right. All right, all right. It has been an eventful couple of weeks, guys. As a church body, we've had a lot go on. We've been through ups and downs and highs and lows. But here we stand as a body, as a family, and uh, I love each and every one of you guys that I see out there. Um, I just want to reiterate that and reiterate what uh, Justin said about honoring the house and the fathers that are in here, Kevin and Brent, um, and just continue to say what a privilege it is to be up here. Um, no matter what capacity you are in when you hold a microphone up here, it is a privilege, and I thank Windward for that. Um, but today I want to talk a little bit about kingdom identity. And um, I remember, so with, uh, with your identity, it is spoken over to you by your father, not only your heavenly father, but also your earthly father. I remember when I was young, um, I went through a lot of phases trying to figure out what I was going to be, as most people probably have in their life. I remember when I was young, I would, uh, <clears throat> first thing I wanted to be is I thought I was going to be a cave diver. Does anyone know what cave divers do? They go in, they, have you ever seen Nat Geo, they go into the caves, they rappel down in, and they look for new things, and they investigate. They're scientists and explorers, and that's what I wanted to be, and so I would turn off all the lights in the basement, and I would go down in and think I was going to be a cave diver and pretend that what I was doing was, you know, I was this exploration guy, and then um, that kind of passed, and I was like, okay, now I want to be a firefighter. Um, and so naturally, of course, that means I've got to rescue people from a burning building, right? Well, nobody would let me repel them out of the window, so I took the family dog and repelled her out the window, my sister's dog, and started repelling this little uh, Jack Russell Terrier out of the window. Down she goes, and, you know, yeah, she ended up safe, don't worry, but uh, my sister was none too thrilled to see her puppy hanging from uh, my bedroom window two stories up, coming down. So, um, but I will always remember that my dad would tell me, Chris, you can be whatever you put your mind to. Whatever you work hard at, whatever you put your thought and heart into, you can be. And that stuck with me for a long time. Um, and he would always tell me to, <laughs> Dad, if you're watching, I love you. Um, he would always tell me that, you know, Chris, if it doesn't work, you can always wish it would have. And if you didn't grasp that, right there when I just said that, if you can just always wish it would have. As a young guy growing up, that didn't really help me in the situation I was in of having something fail right in front of me. You can always wish it would have worked, but it stuck with me and now I say it to my kids. So there we go. Dad, you're awesome. I love you. But I will never forget when I learned what my God-given identity was. When I sat down and I heard Father God speak over me and say, Chris, my heart over you is warrior of truth. I want you to speak truth all of your life, all of your days. I want you 
to speak my truth that I put in your mouth and I want you to present it to people. So I went and I searched out what that meant to be. And for me, I found out I wanted to be a pastor. Now that went through many different shifts and changes. And even now to this day, I still, you know, I'm the children's pastor here at Windward. Um, but I don't know, like, I love being the children's pastor, but I don't know if that's, that changes all the time, but I know that I'm a voice of truth. I know that I am going to speak, and I'm going to speak into the young ones truth and life over them, no matter what, because that is my God-given identity. If that means I end up as, you know, Whatever other pastor, if that shifts and changes over time, who cares? It doesn't matter. I'm a voice of truth. That's the identity that God spoke over me, and that's what I want to be. <clears throat> but I want to talk about another young guy who got his God-given identity, even though his father didn't really think too much of him. A young boy named David grew up, and he was on the fields of Israel, raising sheep, smelling like sheep, and defending sheep. And then one day, he's told to go out to see his brothers. This is post, a lot of you know the story of Goliath. This is post-anointing of king. So he's already come in from the fields, and Samuel comes and anoints him king, and this is post him being anointed. Now he goes out and he goes to see his brothers. He's been told, go see your brothers, take them food, and uh, that's all. Just go take them food and then come back home. Well, he goes out and he sees Goliath. A lot of, most of all of us should know the story of David and Goliath, that he goes out, he sees Goliath mocking Israel, and he's like, I'm going to take that guy on. And Saul hears about it and says, hey, come here. Um, come to my tent. We need to talk for a second because I don't know if you've seen Goliath, but he's huge. And so in 1 Samuel 17, we find, find our boy Dan, David. 17.33, I'm an NKJV because they haven't made Passion Translation for 1 Samuel yet. When they do, I will have Passion Translation. We're a big uh, advocate for that here. <clears throat> so... And Saul said to David, you are not able to go against the Philistine to fight with him. Strike one. You're telling him who he is and what he cannot do. You are a youth and he a man of war. Strike two. But David said to Saul, your servant used to keep his father's sheep. And when a lion or a bear came and took a lamb out of the flock, I went after it and struck it and delivered the lamb from its mouth. I don't know about you, but if you've ever struck a lion or a bear, they don't respond nicely. <laughs> David didn't have a 12-gauge shotgun to help deliver him. He had some stones and a rod. Our boy was tough. <clears throat> Your servant killed both lion and bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, seeing he has defied the armies of God. David right there initiates, this is who I am. This is what God has told me I am. Before David was warrior king on the battlefield, David was warrior king in the shepherd field. 
Moreover, David said, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, Go, and the Lord be with you. I'm sure Saul is thinking, Oh no, we're going to let this guy go out there and defend Israel. And if he dies, which I think he will, he probably will, we're all going to be slaves to the Philistines. But I really have no other option. So... Just go for it, I guess. So Saul clothed David with his armor, and he put on a bronze helmet on his head. He also clothed him with a coat of mail. David fastened his sword to his armor and tried to walk, for he had not tested them. And David said to Saul, I cannot walk with these, for I have not tested them. So David took them off. He then took his staff in his hand, that which he remembered, his remembrance of what he knew, and chose for himself five smooth stones from the brook, and put them in his shepherd's bag. A shepherd's staff, on a lot of shepherd's staff, they would carve into their staff memories of accomplishments that they had while they were out shepherding. It was a story on the rod. When he took his staff, he took his memory of this is what I have done with God. This is who I am. This is my identity. We receive our identity from Father. This is true of Father God and in home. Let me be clear, guys, I believe in women. I married a very passionate woman who is strong, independent. I wouldn't be where I am today if it weren't for her. Trust me, I would probably be dead. I'm just, I probably would be. I probably would be dead. So, I believe in women. I know that there are single moms out there that do amazing work, and I know that they present identity over their their sons and their daughters, and they do amazing things. But... Reality is, is that when you are in a God-given home, the way it is supposed to be structured is father speaks identity, mother speaks nurture. You get your identity from your father, you get your sense of nurture and your love, your kindness from your mother. And that is why in a home where there's no mom, you often have callousness in your heart. And there's a home when you have no dad, you have no identity. So you gain your sense of nurture and care from your mom, but you learn who you are from your dad. If you grow up in a fatherless, abusive, or absent home, your identity can be skewed. This is not the case for everybody, as I'm going to explain about David. Unless you had another father figure come along and show you the truth. David listened to his heavenly father on the hillside with a bunch of sheep and became warrior king before he was warrior king. Everybody has a God-given call on their life. Everybody has a God-given identity over you, who you are, who God spoke into you before time. And it may look different than what you think. You may be doing it already and you don't realize it. You may be called apostolic businessman, but you're just working in retail and you're working your way up the ladder. You may be called justice seeker, but you're just sitting in law school trying to make your way through. You may be called healer to the nations, and you're trying to make it through med school, or you're sitting in a, uh, what do they call those up here? Uh, You guys, doctor's office essentially, but you come in and you... 
No, 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 no. Um, I know what a residency is. Walk-in clinic. We don't have those in the States. It's called, emer- it's called urgent care, and it costs you an arm and a leg. I love it up here. You just walk in and say, hey, my leg's broken. Can you fix it? Sure. Now walk out. You won't hear that from some Americans, but I do because I've experienced it. I love it. <clears throat> or you might be called warrior of truth. <clears throat> God has a purpose for you, and many people struggle to know what that looks like. This is really true amongst millennials. That's why you see them jump from job to job to job to job, bouncing around trying to find identity through success. Because in a home where you had a dad that was there, but all he ever valued was your success, You will grow up thinking that if I work hard enough, dad will be happy with me. And that instills in your heart so you think I'll be happy if I have enough success. You're not necessarily trying to please dad anymore, but you are trying to get enough success to make yourself happy. That's what happens in what they call an absentee father. Not fatherless, but absentee father. Now, David, I would think, had a bit of an absentee father because when he came in from the shepherd fields he, he to be anointed as king, Samuel's sitting there, and he's like, okay, I've gone through all of these brothers, and we, what's going on? And Jesse goes, I guess there's one more. He's pretty puny, and he smells funny. My man, give it up. I am getting a little dry mouthy, so yeah, thank you. Oh, that's what family's all about, guys. Come on. <clears throat> all right. Where was I at? Jesse. Jesse calls David in from the fields. That's right. Thank you. Give it up for Francis Chan. I mean, Jeremy Chan. <clears throat> um. <laughs> I love you, brother. I love you. Um, (laughs) yes, yeah, you'll have to tell me how you built those mega churches someday, I mean, all right, anyways, let's get back on track, um, he calls in, he calls in David, and he's like, hey, man, so, um, I guess this is him, he's puny, he smells funny, he's been out with the sheep, but I guess this is him, and Sammy goes, no, yeah, that's him, oil on the head, anoints him king, and Jesse's still like, man, are you sure? Are you sure it's not Eliab over there? My oldest, he's tough, he's strong. But then we see Eliab on a battlefield with a giant before him, and we know whose character is real and who built their identity in foundation with the Lord. <clears throat> Jeremiah 1.5 says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. Many of us have never asked God what our identity is and therefore continue to look for fulfillment in outside resources. And for, as I said, for those of us that grew up in a home where success was valued above all, it meant we had a busy schedule and we equated success to busyness and we never rest. God is offering rest to the busy heart. We roll in a cycle of never-ending work to achieve love that we always wanted. In his book, Living Fearless, which I highly recommend, 
the guy named Jamie Winship talks about how he met a seventh grade boy in a school. If you guys don't know who Jamie Winship is, he was on, um, I think it's called Cultural Catalyst with Chris Volatin, um, they, where they bring in people who uh, are leaders in society and doing these crazy, amazing things. Jamie Winship is one of those people. Jamie Winship was a police officer for many years. Um, he started asking Holy Spirit how he could lead uh, and guide his where he was as a police officer. He asked for God to like, download identity over him as a police officer, what he should be doing. He started having a crazy accurate words over, over his cases. He started batting a thousand and he started every single case he hit, he won. Figuring it out because he asked God. And he realized that his identity was to be a warrior, to be a warrior in, 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 uh, in what he was like as a police officer and he's figuring out these things. And so he does this for a long time. The CIA ends up approaching him because they're like, how are you getting so accurate? Are you on the inside? What are you doing, dude? And he's like, well, you're not going to like what I have to say, but uh, I'll tell you. So he tells him and he's like, yeah, so I asked Holy Spirit what to do here. And the guy's like, you're right. I don't like it, but it works. So come work for us here at the CIA. This is like a, such a shortened version of what he, you got to read the book, guys. It's crazy. <clears throat> but he goes and works for the CIA for years. He goes into terrorist cells, speaks identity over these young guys that are potentials for terrorism, brings them out, leads them to Jesus, puts them back all in there to go out and reach others. This guy's nuts, guys. I mean, if I had a hero, he'd probably be it. <clears throat> So now what he does is he goes into schools and he teaches identity to these kids in schools. Well, he meets this seventh grade boy. This boy has already been marked as a shooter for the school. They already have said he's probably going to come back. He's probably going to be violent. And he's probably going to take people down. They already know it. He doesn't talk to anybody. He just sits in his classes, head down, hood on classic case. They say, Jamie, can you, can you talk to this guy? Because Jamie just finished an event at the school. And Jamie's like, absolutely. I love to. He gets with this kid and he says, this kid, mind you, doesn't talk to anybody. And he says, Jamie walks up to him and he goes, who are you? Who are you? Straight to the point. Who do you say you are? Who is the world telling you that you are? And he says, I'm invisible. And he says, okay. If all abounding, never ending love were a person in the room right now, and they told you who you were, who would they say that you are? <clears throat> and the kid sits there, barely a thought through his head and goes, I'm a musical genius. Love says I'm a musical genius. Jamie goes out, buys this kid a guitar, buys him guitar lessons. The kid is now on the principal's list of, well, of best behaved students. He has won awards for musical theory, for uh, musical talent. He's been in all of the talent shows. This kid is great. He's, he is literally like a, a musical genius. 
because someone looked at him and stopped for a minute and said, you don't see yourself the way you're supposed to see yourself, but I see you the way the Father sees you. Here's what your identity is. Here's what love says you really are. Jamie wasn't this boy's father, but he recognized that there was something wrong with the boy's identity. We need grandpas, grandmas, moms, and of course, dads, aunts and uncles, all of you. When a child is raised in a tribe atmosphere, this is proven in psychologically when I worked for uh, community services, I would sit through different kinds of lectures and seminars, and they would prove to us that when a child is raised in a tribe atmosphere where there is more than just mom and dad in surrounding them in love, speaking life over them, they are well they're better well prepared to take on every single life circumstance that comes towards them. When there is a stressor that would break some, they can handle it because there is a tribe having their back. That's what we are, church. We're a tribe. We're a family. We're here for one another when there's something going on that's breaking one of us apart, whether it be child or adult. Scripture says in James that we are to confess our sins to one another and then pray for one another. This doesn't necessarily mean confess your deep, dark secrets. That can cause issues sometimes, though it does mean keep a clean conscience with one another, allowing one another to speak life into you. But what it really boils down to is confess to those believers that are in your life that you have been believing something that isn't true about yourself. My identity is skewed. I'm not believing that I am what I am supposed to be. And then get them to surround you in love and pray for you and lead you back to identity that is true. We tell each other the things that we believed about ourselves that are untrue and get the church to lead us back to our true identity. As I said earlier, we get our identity from our fathers. In Canada, here's some statistics for you guys, our single parent ratio is 20% of homes, which are usually single moms. In the U.S., that number has over doubled, and 72% of Americans agree that one of the greatest crises we are about to face is fatherless homes, because when boys grow old but don't grow up, there's a lot of aggression and nowhere for it to go. They have no sense of identity. They look for comfort in maternal caregiving. And women, if dad never told you who you are and what you deserve, you will always be searching for someone to give you value. Women place value on their looks sometimes and find identity in how men think they look and act. Eventually, if you've been told you're no good for long enough, you'll settle for no good men that value only one thing, and you'll find one of these boys that aged but never matured. When boys grow up in a home with, when boys grow up in a home with a dad, they never, with no dad, sorry, I put the K-N-O, I'm vulnerable, right? So I put K-N-O-W instead of N-O, and so my mind just was, the English language, man, I'm telling you. Jeez, what did we do to ourselves? <laughs> Whew. That's why I love like Hebrew, right? Like one word means like 40 different, like you're like, okay, there, okay. <clears throat> Jeez, 
All right, sorry, rabbit trail. <sighs> they never learn what it means to be a dad. Chris Volatin shares a story in his fatherless message about elephants in Kruger National Park. Now, these elephants in Kruger National Park were being taken and relocated to another park where there were no elephants because there were a lot of elephants in Kruger. They had overpopulated, so they started taking these elephants over. Well, they couldn't take the mature elephants over with them because they were breaking the harnesses when they tried to lift them out and transport them via these big, huge military helicopters, and they try and transport them out. Well, the elephants are breaking the harnesses, so they're like, all right, no big deal. We'll take the young ones. No, not a problem. So they take the young ones over to this other park. They release them out. Within days, they start seeing that the endangered white rhino population in the area is being killed, and they have gouge marks through the sides of them from elephant tusks. And they're like, what is going on? Elephants tussle with rhinos all the time, but they don't kill them. That's not elephant behavior. Well, they realize that the elephants, the young ones, have entered this elongated state of basically puberty called must, and where they get real aggressive, they start doing all of the things that young men usually do, they start jostling with each other, and they start doing that, but because there are no older elephants there, they stay in that period, and they become even more aggressive, and they keep getting more and more aggressive till they start killing rhinos. So they start thinking, what do we do about this? We can't lose all these white rhinos. And so they decide, you know what? Let's make better harnesses and let's get some big bull male elephants over from Kruger. Bring them over here and see what happens. So they make better harnesses and they bring these big bull elephants over, these big mammoth guys, right? And they bring them over and within an hour, like hours, they said that the, because there's external features on the elephants that they do when they're in this pu puberty state <clears throat> that they said that within hours it was dropping off. They were stopping. And then they said within the weeks, the killing had completely stopped. <clears throat> because when you introduce the dominance and the teaching of the older generation into your life, and those who have gone before you and knows what it means to have their identity over them. They walk in truth of who they are. Older bull elephants knew they were elephants. The younger ones were thinking they were tigers or something, attacking <laughs> everything that moved. And the older ones were like, you're not behaving like an elephant. So I want to tell you, if you're not behaving like an elephant today, if you're behaving something outside of your identity today, if Father has spoken over you something in your life and you're not walking in that anymore, you're walking outside of what that is and you're behaving like a tiger when you're supposed to be an elephant, then this is for you. <clears throat> when you don't know who you are or you step outside of the identity of Christ, Christ, we walk in a place that can have devastating results. We see this in the life of David towards middle to end of his life. He's supposed to still be on the battlefield. He's the warrior king. God called him warrior king. He steps off of the battlefield 
and he puts back on, metaphorically, he puts back on Saul's armor. He sits in the throne room. He's supposed to be on the battlefield. And he sees Bathsheba. And this leads him to adultery and to killing what was one of his best friends. I don't think, I mean, if you read the story, you can't get any other way than this guy had, like David, I, like he's one of the most amazing people in the Bible, but this fall was just ridiculous. Like Uriah is sleeping at the gate outside of his house, telling him, I'm not gonna leave you because David is trying to get Uriah to leave so that David can basically take his wife. And this is one of his best friends. Uriah is one of David's mighty men. He is literally one of David's best friends. Been with David through thick and thin. Been with David when he was being chased by Saul. Been with David through it all. And David is literally trying to get the man away so he can get his wife because he stepped out of the identity that he was supposed to be in. He stepped off of the battlefield as warrior king and stepped into whatever it was. And eventually he does. He gets Uriah out on the battlefield. Uriah dies in the fight. David takes Bathsheba. Ultimately, there's a child from, the, from what happens. This child is lost, but not until an older spiritual father named Nathan comes along and puts him back on his course and says, David, you messed up. This is what you're supposed to be. You stepped way out of line. You were supposed to be over here fighting the war that I called you to be doing. I called you warrior king. I didn't call you sitter on throne eating grapes. I called you warrior king. Be on the battlefield where I told you to be instead of in the throne room looking and lusting on people that aren't yours. We can see from elephants that when things are out of order and we remove a God-ordained peace from our families, we create issues that extend beyond our identity. But this is just the start. This is why we must protect our nuclear families. This is why we can't remove any aspect from what God has designed. I'm just going to say it. It's not two mommies. It's not two daddies. It doesn't work. It's a mother, father. Did you someone say cancel culture? That's awesome. Who said that? You're amazing. Canceled. Done. Get him off the air. He's not woke enough. Get that guy out of here. <clears throat> That's awesome. <clears throat> but for real. God ordained one thing. He set it up in the beginning. And man shall not leave his wife, and they shall become one. And he shall leave his family and cling unto her. That's what it says. Church, we need to rise up around our single parents, though. 
our, and our kids in general. Every kid down there, whether having mommy and daddy or just mommy or just daddy, you never know what a single one of them walks through when they aren't in these four walls. We are their tribe. We are a family and we raise up mighty men and women of God who know their identity, who change the world. Even as adults, we can learn for the first time our God-given identity. Maybe you're called to mow lawns. And that may sound really like, you know, like you're like, oh, just mowing lawns, but you're providing for your family. And I don't think it's just mower of lawns. I see that, and I hear what God is saying, and I hear creator of beauty. I hear someone that creates grand, beautiful things for other people to enjoy when they mow lawns. Man, I used to love, I used to work for a landscaping company. I'd get out there with my ruler and I'd see that grass and I'd, ooh, that diamond cut pattern, beautiful black magic mulch on it. Mm. Nothing better, man, come on. Creator of beauty, grand provider. God is speaking an identity over you that looks more than what you just do. Don't look at your situation as something that holds you back, but rather as an opportunity to find what you're doing and what God is teaching you about yourself through it. God loves each of us so much. He has a plan for each of us, each and every one. Did you know that in Ephesians, he actually calls us his poetry. He calls us his poetry. You don't write poetry unless you are in love with it. You don't write poetry on a whim. You write books or essays. He doesn't call you his term paper. He says, you're my poetry. Ephesians 2.10, we have become his poetry, a recreated people that will fulfill the destiny he has given each of us. For we are joined to Jesus, the anointed one. Even before we were born, God planned in advance our destiny and good works we would do to fulfill it. Colossians 1.22 says, now there is nothing between you and Father God, and he sees you as holy and righteous. So if someone in here was told that you weren't good enough, that that isn't who you are, you're not able to do this, you're not able to go that far, you're not able to go the distance, I'm here to tell you, the devil is a liar. That person is a liar. Your God-given identity speaks life over you. As a family, we speak life over you. We don't speak death over you. We speak life over you. Christ Jesus is calling to each and every one of us, telling us our true identity. Some of us are already living in it and walking it out, but some of us need to be reminded who we are. <clears throat> because whoever told you the lies that you're not, you're not this, you're not that, they were wrong. You're amazing. God wants you to know so. If you need help and you need to be reminded who you are and you need to confess some lies that have been told over you, we're going to have a prayer team up here in a few minutes. And I want you to come up here and I want you to tell them, I've been believing this way for so long, I actually identify as broken. I actually see myself as broken. 
because I've been this way for so long, or even if I've been this way for two weeks. Guys, two weeks ago, I was whole, and I was dancing up there, and I was loving service, but somebody said something to me two weeks ago, and it broke my spirit, and now I've been believing it. Can you guys help me out? Get me back on track? Make me realize who I really am? Because I know that's not who I'm supposed to be. I know that's not what I really am. I know that Jesus called me this amazing, beautiful, whole person. And if you've never in this room accepted Jesus as your Savior and never heard him speak his identity over you, I want you to even more so come forward. We're going to lead you in a prayer to ask him to come over you, fill your life with wholeness, completeness, and to speak identity over you. And then we want to be your family. And we want to walk with you and talk with you and live every single day of life with you. That doesn't mean you have to talk to one of us every single day, but we're going to be thinking about you. We're going to be praying for you because that's what families do. Every morning when I get up and I go to the gym, I pray for my family, both biological, my blood, and you guys. I pray and I say, Lord, be with them. I call some of them out by name. Lord, I know what they're going through. I know that struggle that they've been through. And Lord, I just, I pray that you would speak life over them. I pray you would tell them who they are. And if there's any lies that have been spoken, correct them. Get them out. Because it doesn't matter if you grew up with a father, without a father, or with a father that was there but never really there. Because there's one father who loves you regardless of whatever the junk you've been through. And he is here. He is alive. He is the living God. And he is waiting for you. He's the one that called you out. He's the one that's bought you, paid for you, loves you, and says, I don't know why you put that stuff on you because I don't see that. You were made in my image. You were made in my image. And if you're made in his image, how can you be broken? guys are amazing, each and every one of you. I'm going to get you guys out of here a little early. Hit up that, what's that grill called? Where the young adults like to hang out and party hardy. Station Pub. Station Grill House. It's got some good food. You guys should go there, hang out with the young adults. They're changing the world, man. I, I talked to that waitress her life has changed because our young adults group went there and spoke identity over her, told her who she really was and, who, and what her father really thought of her. Now she's going to come here and get baptized, guys. That's what we do. That's who we are. We go out to restaurants 
And we speak life over anybody that'll listen. I will brag about that all day long, every day. Because when Francis, I mean Jeremy Chan, is on the block, our in-house evangelist, speaking life over waitresses, baptizing people in hot tubs. Come on, though, for real, guys. Let's get out there. Let's speak identity over this world because there is a fatherless generation growing up and not knowing who they are and what their purpose is, and they are going to seek everywhere and anywhere for it until they find it. Because there is one thing I will say about this next generation that's coming up is they are persistent. All you have to do is look at my son and what he wants and what's on his mind and how tunnel focused that boy can get. And it takes a pit bull to get him off of it. If he wants something, he's gonna get it. No matter what. So they are gonna find who they are. And do you want it to be here? Knowing who they really are? knowing who the father thinks they are? Or do you want them to have a false identity out there thinking and believing that they are this when they're supposed to be that? I think I said that backwards, that instead of this, whatever. You guys are amazing. Don't be tigers, be elephants. Elephants know who they are. Elephants who know who they are, whose they are, and what their purpose is. All right. Prayer team, if you guys would come on up. I think Chuck's probably going to play a little longer. As we conclude, you guys are dismissed. You're amazing. Have a great week. Be blessed, each and every one of you. I love you. See you, fam.